It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where a woman from the right and a woman from the left accessorize the news with a fresh perspective. This is Sarah Holland from the left and Beth Silvers from the right. Welcome to our special Friday episode, The Briefcase, where we go through a little bit of Friday feedback from our listeners and send you into the weekend with a few of the top stories. Today, we're going to be going through Friday feedback, primarily having to do with our Friday briefcase topic, which is the New Hampshire primary. We got a lot of interesting feedback this week, and I thought we might start with a really interesting question from um, our listener, Haley. Who... Oh, I totally know her in real life. We worked at Oh, you together. do? Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Well, she asks some awesome questions and has some good insights on Twitter. She tweets at Haley Live if you want to follow her. So um, she said, given Christie's well-received in-your-face town halls from 2011, is Trump's appeal to the electorate really that surprising? And that's a parallel that I hadn't drawn. I don't know what you think about that, Sarah. I was thinking about, I was reading Ezra Klein's, who is sort of my new boyfriend. I really like him. Um, He did this really great 
take down just unapologetic. Trump is dangerous. This is not a joke anymore. He just won a primary. And I've sort of been thinking about Trump a lot since reading that. And I really think so much of this comes from a lot of the us versus them. And I think particularly with regards to like the Tea Party and the way that they speak about the president and he hates America. He's here to take down America. He's here to destroy what America is about. And I mean, really, when you think about it, we've been living in that type of media environment. We've been existing or coexisting probably more accurately for most of us. Like we know it's out there. Most of us don't listen to it, but we know that this, we see it bubble up on our Facebook feed. Uh, we know Fox News can dive down to the depths and, you know, this is what this environment is what made Glenn Beck famous. This just kind of they're here to destroy everything that we stand for. And I'm not saying that Trump is exactly like that, but I think he feeds over this. And Christie definitely in a way too has been feeding, feeds on this um, Petri dish of political discourse that's been growing over the last eight years. Well, I have a different take, I think, um, because I think 2011 is a lot of, I mean, it's just a long time ago in terms of our media environment and voter attention. So I, I think Christie could have laid some groundwork for sort of the, the toughness angle. But I, I I think life is a lot about contrast. Part of the reason that I feel Barack Obama was so successful in a, such a surprising way is because he's a great contrast to George W. Bush. Yeah. He's so professorial it, compared to the folksiness of George W. Bush. You know, there, there are all these things where you just go, boy, this is a totally different direction. And I think that both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders benefit from being such a stylistic contrast to President Obama. So I would tie Trump's appeal in tr just the stylistic, in-your-face kind of aspect of it less to Chris Christie in 2011 and more to this feels like something completely different from President Obama, whom the people supporting Trump view as weak. Hmm. So that that's my take on Haley's question. But you know, it's a really, I mean, it's an interesting thought exercise. I think you could go even further back. And I was really kind of thinking about um, what Mark McKinnon was talking about in our last episode. And I've kind of, you know, just forgotten about Bush's compassionate conservative appeal and i mean really the bush that was well i won't say elected came into office and his first term was really different from the bush by the time we left right so i think he came in and he was this like you said folksy compassionate conservative but i mean i think so much with the iraq war and the 9-11 attacks and he was forced in this sort of foreign policy realm and you know created a very um, combative situation between Americans who were opposed to the war and um, Americans who were in favor of the war. And I feel like that sort of set up this. And you know, what's so funny the other day I was talking about Obama and I was like, you know, the red state, the blue state speech. And everybody was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, dude, that's the speech that made him famous because it was this very combative situation where everybody, you know, especially Democrats were like, I hate George Bush. And it was that they were the us versus them. And then he came in with that speech at the Democratic Convention. You know, we worship an awesome God in the blue states and we love our gay friends in the red states. And was very 
you know, uniting kind of, it doesn't have to be that combative. But in the end, I think for a lot of reasons, not only having to do with Barack Obama style, a lot having to do um, with his race, if I'm being honest, it became this very um, even more combative, even more like he's the he's the enemy. He's here to destroy what America stands for, that kind of thing. And that and I feel like that is just bred our current this current primary craziness. There's also a little, I think, an interesting nugget in there when you're talking about George W. Bush, how he changed over time. And I think this is true for President Obama, too. You know, nobody, with the exception of Lindsey Graham in this cycle, nobody really runs to be commander in chief. You mm-hmm. know, they run to be domestic policy makers, mm-hmm. right? Nobody's platform tends to be about foreign policy. And I think, I think after seeing that happen to George W. Bush, and then to President Obama, consciously or unconsciously, this time I feel like there is a little bit more emphasis on foreign policy um, in in a in an unhealthy direction. Right. Because the because the emphasis isn't who's prepared to be commander in chief, who understands the world well enough to be commander in chief. It is a fear based motivation. So I, I don't know. I, again, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, th- th- I guess the other thing I would say about the difference between Christie and Trump in that in-your-face way is that I believe that that's really just who Chris Christie is. I think from Donald Trump, he does it very selectively to play the media cycle. I, I believe Donald Trump when yeah. he says that he'll behave differently if he's elected. I think that's true because yeah. I think he is a character and intends to be and and that's kind of his his superpower right so it 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 i think it's motivated differently mm-hmm. for the two of them okay another interesting question so um we've been getting facebook messages from oliver and i tell you what like every one of them makes me think so hard and we could probably talk about all of them but i wanted to focus in on this specific one where he's talking about campaign finance reform um so so this followed a discussion of sort of if this then that if these candidates emerge as the nominees who do you vote for and why and um and Oliver says he was talking to a friend who says that until there's campaign finance reform Washington will not change um and and then she kind of goes on to say Hillary Trump and Bernie are probably the only people who can change that and Hillary and Trump perhaps could could go against their own self-interest because they've both benefited from the influence of money in politics. Bernie is probably the only person who can make a true anti-Citizens United pitch. And I have given this a lot of thought and and have my own take on it, but I'd love to hear yours first. I don't really understand the idea that they would go against their own self-interest. I feel like the only people with self-interest um, in, in our current Citizens United world is the people who are using great sums of money to influence their business interests. And I don't really see Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton doing that. I think that any presidential, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a single politician who would say, Oh no, I love raising this money among the top 1%. Like that's nobody's favorite part of the job. Like, I feel like if any, even Republican, you know, lawmakers or that really super high ups, if you said, Hey, everybody gets, you know, let's say you're a senator. Everybody gets, I don't know, a million dollars, whatever, however you want to reform it. But it's it's limited. 
I don't, I don't know. I just feel like anybody, any of the, the, the actual politicians would be like, yes, please. I don't, I mean, I, I remember hearing a guy on NPR, this American life did a really great thing on uh, the role of money in politics. And they were talking to all these different, um, especially representatives, like who have to pay. It all started with this Eleanor Holmes Norton voicemail that she left for this guy that was basically like, I need this much money from you. Why haven't you donated yet? Like this lobbyist. And they were, they kind of delved into this whole system. And this one representative, I mean, they're, they're up for a reelection every two years was like, I need to raise $15,000 a day to keep my job. That's it. It's not because I'm some corrupt person or because I'm like cashing these checks and, you know, buying myself big, nice houses is because that's what, how much it costs for my reelection to run the commercials I need and to, you know, do this and this and this and to fight back for, against the attacks. This is how much I really need to raise every single day. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't be like, yes, I would love to not do that anymore. So I don't really buy the self-interest part of that. I think that if you're going to make an anti, it's not about an anti-Citizens United pitch. It's how are you going to undo a Supreme Court decision with a Republican and in theory opposed Congress? I mean, I just don't, it's not really about your pitch and how your self-interest is that even if you're really motivated to do it, how are you going to do it? That's my kind of beef with it. Okay, so my initial response to Oliver was something like, you know, process-wise, I think it has to be either the Supreme Court that deals with this or the parties dealing with it because of social pressure to do so. And I kind of think the latter is more likely, and not even from the parties, but if you watch what's happening with money in this cycle, the market is speaking. Mm. You know, if you look at the cost per vote in Iowa and New Hampshire, the people spending the most money are getting slaughtered in this election. People do not like it. And credit to all the journalists who are exposing the money and understanding Mm -hmm. that all the money can't be exposed, but enough of it can. And people are explicitly rejecting it. So I don't know if we're even going to need something as dramatic as the overturning of a Supreme Court decision, because I think voters are just out and out saying not anymore. And my theory is that as as this cycle continues and this anti super PAC mentality takes greater hold. I wonder if money stops buying votes and starts just buying time. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at Jeb Bush, who is the poster boy for super PACs, which I think is a huge part of his problem right now. Yeah. He is still in this race because of all the money he raised before he started running with with the limited appeal he's had and the really negative coverage that he's gotten there's no way he would still be in now if he didn't have such a war chest it's not helping him win anything but it's keeping him alive mm-hmm. and so i just i just wonder if if the influence that money has is really going to change and if that's true then you might argue if money could buy people time and keep more people in the process then we might be in a bizarro new universe where super PACs actually contribute to democracy because they let more states participate in this process meaningfully. I mean, for the first time in my adult voting life, I think the Kentucky caucus could matter. Yeah. You know, the the Republican caucus in Kentucky is going to take place in early March. And thanks, Rand Paul, for that. Um, but it it could matter. I've never voted in a primary in Kentucky that that made one iota of difference. And so if money keeps more people afloat 
longer, maybe that's a healthy thing. I don't know. I I think we just have to challenge all of the positions that we have about this right now and and come out to say, like, maybe we the people are doing this work. Yeah. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, it's always sort of been that way, even before Citizens United. I mean, if money bought you elections, then, um, you know, Ross Perot would be president and... Who was the other guy that always ran? Didn't wasn't there a Forbes that always ran for several oh, years? I don't know. I mean, I just think that it's not always that simple. If money bought elections, brought you know the Koch brothers would have 
kept Barack Obama out of a second term. So it's really not as simple. And, you know, Vox does a really great podcast called The Weeds, and they did a really, really wonderful podcast where they said, it's not just the influence of money. If you want to talk about these, you know, perfect, you know, always are, are striving for the perfect example of Norway and Sweden. I mean, they have, they have corporations in those countries that are like a third of the, you know, national product. I mean, they they have a huge amount of economic influence. It's not just that. I mean, it's also that right now we have such a winner take all polarized partisan system in which, you know, you have Mitch McConnell saying all the only thing we care about is not giving Barack Obama a single success. It, that's not just money, right? That's right. that's that's something else that's going on there. So, you know, as much as I know everybody wants to believe that or certain people want to think that Bernie Sanders is this revolution and he's going to change everything. I just don't, I don't think it's that simple. I think it's much more nuanced than that. Not surprisingly. Well, I agree. And I think there, you know, money and power can never really be unhooked. And so certainly um, there's still going to be questions of influence and integrity in the process, but I think we're moving in a good direction to start to tease those out. And, Uh you know, this is an example that I I know will upset people, but if you think about the heat that Hillary Clinton is taking over her Wall Street speeches, I mean, that's a really new way of looking at everything. Hillary Clinton is far from the first or only person, you know, to have really tight relationships with the financial sector. And there are arguments to be made about the importance of that, too. I mean, I I don't want to get us off on what should be like an hour long show about Wall Street, but that's it's not all bad. I mean, that's another area where we've lost our nuance. Right. It's important (laughs) to have a well. And speaking of that, you know, what we wanted to talk about next was the superdelegates. And i that's what I keep thinking about when people, there's been a lot of concern that 20% 20 of the Democratic delegates are uncommitted superdelegates. They don't have to follow the popular vote. So far, Clinton already has 394 delegates out of a total of 4,763 compared to only 42 for Bernie Sanders. There's been a lot of um, posting on Facebook about this, you know, This is the establishment's way of rigging the system. And it really, it bothers me for a couple things. One, you are giving the Democratic Party so much more credit than it deserves. It's not that organized. They're not kingmakers. There's a lot of people with a lot of egos and a lot of different agendas competing. And I think that, you know, I'm not big on conspiracies, period. I don't think that's helpful or nuanced in particular. So the idea that like the democratic establishment is this, you know, these, these, these grand, I don't even know who they're talking about, but these like little puppeteers that are, you know, just controlling everything. It's so anti-democratic really bugs me. And my other thing with the superdelegates is, is it really so awful to think that the people who are, for the most part, superdelegates are, you know, um, party activists or mostly elected officials, like representatives, state delegates, stuff like that. Is it really that crazy to think that a, a political party should give some credence to the actual politicians within that party? I mean, is that, am I just totally blinded by the fact that I'm currently running for office. I don't know. But to me, like I've been to these different, these lower party meetings and these executive committee meetings, these people work really hard when you run for office. And when you work as a political figure, especially in the lower rungs and state house, state reps, 
even, you know, congressional representatives, you sacrifice a lot and you understand the process in a way that somebody who just, you know, walks into a caucus one day or a voting booth on the primary doesn't. And I just don't understand why that's such a bad thing. Why is that? Am I missing something? I think it's a bad thing for Bernie Sanders to win New Hampshire by the biggest margin anyone has in the Democratic race and to walk away with the same number of delegates as Hillary Clinton. Yes, Mm. I think that's a bad thing. I think it's a bad, if nothing else, it's a bad PR thing. And it's another thing that Hillary Clinton does not need. You know, this is not a good story for Hillary Clinton. If I worked for her, I would be out saying to everyone who's a superdelegate, shut your mouth. (laughs) I would love for you to support me, but do it quietly and at the very last minute because I don't need anybody else making me look like this establishment, get ready for my coronation figure. So even if you... It's like, man, she didn't invent the system. She didn't invent the system. But nobody cares about that this year, That's you know, and, and I do, and I do think the Democratic Party should take a look at this because Debbie Wasserman Schultz was so bad talking to Jake Tapper about this today. Did you see that clip? No, she I mean, you guys have to find a new chair for this party. I'm really sorry, <laughs> but she's ta- Jake Tapper says, basically, how can this be? Like, like if you're a young person, particularly in New Hampshire, why are you not livid that the number of delegates are the same? And and she just like stumbles through this thing about, well, the only thing available in the primary are the uncommitted delegates and, you know, the super delegates are something totally separate. They're not available in the primary. And it's just the most convoluted non-answer. And Jake Tapper says, I'm not sure that that's going to satisfy any anxious young voter, but okay. And and I mean, it, it's a problem. And, and sh- oh, the other thing she tried to say is that this is meant to be inclusive. It's meant to give more voice to the grassroots. Well, if that were true, I don't think we would have 360 people lining up behind Hillary Clinton this early in the process. So it looks bad. It, it, to, to, I totally understand your point, Sarah, that people acquainted with the process Maybe you weight their vote a little bit heavier, but that seems like a slippery slope to me, too, because you've got people out there who believe votes should be weighted by how much land you own in the country. You know what I mean? Like there's (laughs) there's a way to take this that's just bad, bad, bad. And so I would revisit this if I were part of the Democratic Party. But step one, if I were Hillary Clinton, I would want to squash every bit of this conversation that I could, because this just it just feeds into the some somewhat unfair really negative stereotypes about it. Yeah, it just bugs me because I just feel like, you know, if you don't, it's a party, we, we, it's, yes, America is a democracy. It's a democracy framed by the party system. We don't just tally the popular vote either. Like we have systems for better or for worse in place. And if you don't like that, then I mean, well, that's the message. Would... People don't like that. That's the message of this year. People don't like the party system. New Hampshire yeah. just nominated a Democrat who's not a Democrat and a Republican who's not a Republican. They don't yeah. like the parties. Yeah. And that's fine. But like the, the answer to that to me is just, I guess what, bug, you know, I sound like an old, old lady. I totally get that. <laughs> but like the idea that, you know, there's a sexy presidential race, the like one time most people get involved in politics and you want to burn it all to the ground, like... You know, Hillary Clinton got screwed by the delegate system in 2008, and I don't remember 
people, you know, writing these barn burning. Like if you were so opposed to it then, if you're so opposed to it now, why aren't you opposed to it then? And where were you then wanting to like do the hard work over eight years of changing the system? Because Republicans did that. They changed some of the system. So, you know, I don't know. It just bugs me. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well. I mean, Sarah, you're not going to find ideological or philosophical consistency in the American electorate. Right? <laughs> you're just not. 
Oh man, that is my mental, that is my mental health <laughs> issue right now. Man, it's so true. This morning, my husband was like, you cannot control these things. You are going to have to let them go. You cannot control the, the, you know, thousands of word think worth of think pieces. People write about Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders every day. Like, just don't let, you cannot let this tear you apart. <laughs> well, and look to your second point. I hope that the populist sentiment taking hold right now does produce a few years of people getting involved beyond the presidential race. I mean, we got here because everybody checked out. That's Mm -hmm. the essence of the financial collapse, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody checked out. Nobody paid attention to, can I afford my house or not? All the way up to, hey, this derivatives contract sounds like bullshit. You know, (laughs) nobody paid attention to anything. And that's why we're here. And so hopefully, and this is what I just keep returning to about Trump and Sanders and everything going on. And again, not to equate the two. I want to be very sensitive to our uh, Bernie Sanders supporters who I respect very much, especially Brian, who I always enjoy talking with on Twitter. Um, he is. He's like the most, he needs to teach a class to the rest of them. He has the most respectful Bernie support on the planet. Well, he needs to teach a class in politics, period, because he always has really interesting insights. But what I hope comes of all of this is more engagement in the process generally. You know, my husband said today, like, yeah, your podcast is doing great. Like, do you think it'll drop off after the election because people lose interest? Well, you know, I hope not. And not yeah, just with for us, us but 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 <laughs> I hope that people start running for city commission like you're doing and, and other things because that is the only we don't get out of this by one I mean to to a point we've discussed earlier, the president can't do all that much. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna solve all this by one election. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, we need to talk about New Hampshire for the Republicans. Are you okay? No, I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not okay. Thank you for asking. Well, so we sent an email out today with some of my thoughts on this. Um, yeah, subscribe to our email list, everybody. It's pinned to the top of our Facebook page and Twitter page. Oh, and we got such interesting responses. Yeah, you I wish really we had, did. I wish we had time to talk about all of them. Um, maybe we can in our next episode, but here, here's where I am. You know, I think I knew Donald Trump was going to win, but and it hurt more when it actually happened. What concerns me far more than that is Ted Cruz in third in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. because I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Ted Cruz is going to win South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then I get real worried. I get oh. really, really worried. Um, look, I like John Kasich, too. We have a bunch of listeners who like John Kasich, and I hear you. I really love this campaign, John Kasich problem is John Kasich existed before this campaign. And I'm not saying that anything he's doing right now is disingenuous or false. Um, I guess those are the same word and maybe slightly different. We could argue about that for a while. That's a boring topic. Um, (laughs) I just think it is going to be so if he becomes a contender, I think it is going to be so easy to make him look duplicitous because he has been a bully in Ohio. I mean, he has been in Ohio much like Chris Christie presents. And, and so now you've got these, these moments on film of Kasich calling himself the Prince of light that you can run back to back with some of his speeches in Ohio. Yeah. 
And it's just going to be ugly. And and also, I don't see him having appeal in the next set of primaries. I really don't. Um, I don't know I, how much money he has compared yeah, to... Yeah, he, he used it all. I mean, I just feel like he... I don't know about the strategy. I mean, I, I said I thought he would do well in New Hampshire because it did seem like he was just building it brick by brick like a house. But the problem is he got to start building those houses a little bit faster and building a house costs money. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just, I don't think Kasich is the person who's going to beat Trump and Cruz. I just wow. don't. Wow. And where are we left then? Because wheels are off of Marco Rubio. And I, you know, Jeb just can't seem to pull ahead. I know that he tried to say that his fourth place finish in New Hampshire reset the race. I, I just, I don't see it. So, yeah, I'm worried. And so I said to our... Um, email subscribers today, you know, I think I kind of sort of maybe could possibly in some bizarre world vote for Hillary Clinton in this election because yeah. I'm, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump or Ted Cruz. I'm just not going to do it. Uh. Now, the question has been posed to me several times in several different mediums. What will I do if Sanders is the Democratic nominee? And my answer to that is, I don't know, other than I still am not going to vote for Donald Trump. So I think if it's a Trump versus Sanders general election that we are guaranteed to see Michael Bloomberg or some other third party candidate, and I'll have to make an analysis at that time. Um, I feel in a Trump versus Bloomberg versus Sanders election, there is no conservative option. Yeah. So um, I would just have to vote my conscience in that, and I don't know which direction it would take us, but... That's where I am. Not okay. Not okay. <laughs> well, um, there, there, there's a lot of uh, shifting ground in this in this current presidential can, campaign to take us into the weekend. We're going to tr- cover the um, Democratic debates. Well, by the time this airs, we'll have covered them last night on Twitter. We'll be there with the Republican debates on Saturday night because clearly they don't have Valentine's Day plans. And we will see all of you on Facebook and Twitter. Keep it nuanced, y'all.